In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper to the realm of the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable, the mystical, the magical, the macabre, New England's own Van Helsink. With me, all the way from across the pond, is the rock star parapsychologist himself, the young whippersnapper, Mr. Cal Cooper. Hello, whippersnapping all the way over here. How are you doing, Ron? Hey, Cal. How are you? Yeah, I'm not so bad. A little tired, but um, I'm all good. How are you doing? Uh, you know, better than nothing. That's what I always say. Still breathing. There you go. <laughs> Poke me with a stick. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can listen to us live here on Tojinet Pararex Ghost Channel and beyond. And you can also join us in the Tojinet chat room or the Pararex chat room as well. Uh, so what is new and up and coming there? I know we have some guests. We're just trying to get them as usual. Hmm. But what's happening with you? Anything special since last time um, we talked? Well, the, the book's totally out of the way. That's off with the printers. So uh, can't do any more on that now. It's all done. Wipe my hands of it, sort of. But I've, I've got to turn up to book signings and stuff, and I'll be doing some presentations throughout the year on that. If anyone wants to look up stuff like the Scottish Society for Psychical Research, which is at www.sspr.co.uk, um, they'll have information about one of my future talks later this year. And also, if people Google the Ghost Club, I'll be giving a talk to them on phone calls from the dead. Anyone wanting to order the book, and please do, everyone listening in the chat room and uh, so forth, if you've got any questions on the book, um, please send them in. But go to www.calcooper.com. And you can pre-order my book on there, but it should be uh, completely done and printed in loads of boxes for me to send out my publishers to get sorting through in the next week or so. So I'm really getting excited about that, and I think I'm actually um, going to visit some of the printing as it happens, so that would be um, pretty cool. Apart from that, um, I'm just doing some more research at the University of Northampton coming up and um, getting to work on some uh, different articles. Uh, I've got an interview that I still need to write up from my time in California. Um, uh, and some of the spooky people I met over there. So uh, I've, I've got lots to get on with. <laughs> I guess you do. I mean, that's that's a <laughs> that was a long dissertation in itself. Now, uh, <laughs> your book. Uh, how many how many pages is this wonderful phone calls from the dead? Um, excluding the forward, the index, and the references, I think it's 179 pages. 
which is spooky in itself because the original book came out in 1979. Yeah, it is. 179, okay. the whole thing. It just keeps on reoccurring. I keep on seeing the number 79 all over. <laughs> okay. We'll have to yeah. look at that further. <laughs> we, uh, we are doing something interesting that you might uh, find intriguing. Uh, I have this paranormal study group that meets at the Circles of Wisdom in Andover once a month. And uh, we do all different experiments. We looked at all, look at all different things, as you know, because you worked with it before uh, yeah. in a... Uh, Whatever, I don't even want to try to say that word. But anyway, uh, we are going to try to do remote ghost hunting this month. Right. And, and so that how, is that, how does that, we, <laughs> that we will find out what we basically what we will be doing is connecting to a haunted location and we will conduct our ghost hunt in the classroom. Okay. And hopefully connecting with the spirits at the location. So the, this is basically um, making all of your um, students really trying to act as psychics and clairvoyantly remote. By no, 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 no. We're not going to no. be all psychics here and do that. Yeah, there's going to be some some of that going on. Well, we're talking about EVPs. We're talking about. Uh, the lovely K2 meter, we're talking about using instruments as well. Uh, at distance? At distance. Right, okay. Well, um, I'll have to join in on this um, this next class that you give again if you um, set me up to actually um, speak to some of the students. I I'd love to see how, this, um, how you set it up, how it kind of progresses through, and then what kind of results you actually get out of it. Have you actually picked a particular haunted location that people are going to be focusing on? Uh, I believe I have the location. And right. uh, I, I'm not going to mention it on the air, but it is uh, uh, far, far away. Let's put it that way. All right. Okay. Well, yeah, definitely. I've got to join in on that. That would certainly be interesting. Really? You know, oh, it's, way yeah. past, uh, it's way past your bedtime. Well. Oh, go on, Ron, sorry. It's way past your bedtime, you know. It would be uh, like midnight your time. Oh, no, I had to do that last time. I didn't mind at all. <laughs> but it's certainly <laughs> interesting because you're, you're kind of taking elements of the uh, of, of the lab. Well, no, actually, you're doing it the other way around. You're not going to the haunted location. You're, you're kind of trying to project. We're bringing the haunted location to us. Yeah, you're trying to project experiments of the laboratory to the haunted location, which is unusual. And I, I told exactly. you uh, some time before about trying to set up a, a Gansfeld experiment inside a haunted location. And mm -hmm. that came out with some unusual results, and I would like to do more of those. But certainly, the, it's very, um, a very creative experiment, and certainly original, doing a, a remote viewing ghost hunt. So, um, yeah, keep, keep me informed on that, run. Well, I mean, that you know, that's the thing. I, I very... You know, I hate to use that old cliche, but I, I, this is, you know, one person who always thinks outside the box. It's because I'm not normal, I think. Uh, but in, anyways, I'm always looking at different things and and how, you know, if, if one works this way, then why couldn't it work a different way? Or why couldn't it work this way? Or maybe it can. I don't know. You know, we may get nothing. And then again, we might 
you know, get some styling results. We don't know until we try it. And it, just because we do doesn't necessarily mean, as you know, that this is the norm. Uh, we certainly be one experiment, and if this, we get any results, even if we don't get results, I probably will try it again to see if we can get results in different uh, locations. Hmm. You, have you had um, good notes of all these experiments that you've done with your students, Ron? Because I can see another book coming on the horizon from you if you keep on doing all these different <laughs> experiments. <laughs> the, the crazy world of Van Helsink, is that what it is? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You could have a book on all these little experiments that have, uh, you've kind of uh, thought up with your students and how they actually developed. And you can, well, you know, there you go. There's something for the pipeline, I <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I, I know we're still trying to get a hold of our guests, but uh, evidently they're not accepting us on Skype, so we're having a little bit of a problem with that. Uh, no we do. Here's something I wanted to ask you on. I've um, recently been, um, as my book's now out of the way, and I've um, stopped typing on that and thinking about telephones, so it's given me a chance to actually read up on some of the uh, piles of books that I, I've been wanting to read for, for pleasure rather than work. And um, I've been reading another Scott Roggo book called ESP and your pet and uh, I was wondering what your thoughts are on people that claim that they've got psychic pets that, that pets have ESP is that what you're trying to say yeah but people that have cats dogs uh, or any other kind of um, family pets and people that think that these um, animals might be intuitive or contain some sort of psychic abilities because they've seen some incredible um, feet or display from uh, their animals. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Have you do you have a pet, Ron? I do have a pet, and I've always had pets. I have cats. Uh, I'm a cat person, without a doubt, because they're independent like me. And uh, <laughs> you know, they, but uh, you know, they actually say that the horses are the mediums of the pet world. That they are the ones that have a, a most uh -huh. intuitive. I have no reason why, but uh, they, they do say that horses are the most intuitive of the pets. But, uh, you know, as far as that, I mean, we, there are some things that we really can't explain. And I think you and I touched on this before. For instance, when the uh, typhoon hit the, uh, uh, not the typhoon, the, uh, what was it, tidal wave, uh, the tsunami there, that a lot of the pets, a lot of the animals uh, disappeared. They went up and got out of harm's way. And, and yeah. we don't know if that was intuitive or perhaps as we uh, were talking about before, your infrasound idea. So it's interesting, oh, yeah. though. Yes, I'll, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just agreeing with you. Um, all I was going to say was just some examples of uh, different cases. I mean, that one that you said is, is kind of interesting, but being with my skeptical hat on, I think, well, you know, if a tsunami is coming, and, you know, this must be, you know, it's obviously vibrating the ground and it's uh -huh. changing temperature, weather, atmosphere, all sorts of things that um, animals have heightened senses to anyway with it, their taste, touch and smell and hearing. Is it just they're using the normal senses and they're getting the message before us because our, our senses aren't tuned in as much as they are? Not psychic senses, just their general senses. And right. there was a few cases that I read in Scott's book that, you know, I thought, well, is it ESP or is that just pets being pets and animals being animals? I mean, there was one case of um, a family pet um, that belonged to Scott, and I think it was a dog, and they'd had it for many years, and it had regular trips to the vet, and then one time it just got too ill, and it had they had to reach a decision to go and take it to the vet and have it um, put down. 
And one of the other um, family dogs or one of their neighbor's dogs was always fine every time they knew the dog was going to the vet. It didn't act strange or irregular. But this one time that they uh, that they were taking it to the vet to be put down, the other dog somehow knew that it, it was the the oldest dog's last trip and it was just whimpering and it went mad and it knew that it was kind of going to its death in a way. And um, some of the other cases were unusual as well. There was one guy who was asleep in bed one night and his cat kept on meowing and scratching at the door and um, it kept on pushing against him, trying to get him out of bed. So we got out of bed to let the cat out. And just as he got out of bed and walked away from his bed, the ceiling collapsed and fell in all over his um, bed. And that, you know, he could have been under that if he hadn't mm-hmm. responded to the cat. Now, is that right. the cat just wanting to go outside? Or is it that the cat saw that was going to happen and it tried to get its master out of the way? You know? Um, yeah. There's actually a, a fellow, there's actually a gentleman from the UK who uh, has written a book on this. I, I can't remember the name of it or his name. Oh, uh, it's something about psychic infection. And he, he talks a lot about that, uh, you know, people will go away, sailors or, or even people on vacations and trips and stuff, and, and their animals will know when they're coming home. They'll, wait, they'll be waiting by the door or whatever. Yeah, that's Dr. Rupert Sheldrake. He's um, a parapsychologist and biologist more so over here. He's, um, he did his um, studying at Cambridge, and uh, he, he's written many books on things like staring detection. And um, it, the one you're referring to is a book that he wrote called Dogs That Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. And he ran numerous studies where he put CCTV in the homes of various people that owned um, pet dogs, and they left the pet dog in while they went out shopping. And the experimenter will go out with the owner. They'd um, have a normal shopping trip. The experimenter, at a, a randomly selected time, would suddenly say to the owner, right, I know you normally go home at 4 o'clock, but I want you to go home now, and it's probably 1 o'clock. Um, and usually when they go home at 4 o'clock, the dog's waiting there for them. So they want to know if the dog knows in advance that if they randomly select to go home at a, at time a random time, routine, will, yep. will the dog know? And it turns out that in a lot of these cases, when you look at the CC. TV footage that corresponds to the camera footage when they actually went out with this, the owner shopping, the dog does go, say, at one o'clock when they suddenly decide to go home and wait for their owner. So it did seem that these dogs did know when their owners were coming home, no matter when they chose to come home, whether it was with, within a routine or not. But again, is it heightened senses or is it psychic senses? Uh, that's the thing. I mean, do we know there is even a difference between the two? Um, I, we can only vouch for ourselves, I suppose. I mean, I've, we brought this up before, and certainly when Dr. Matt Coburn was on the, the show talking about the intricacies of uh, consciousness, you can only account for your own conscious existence. But at least right. as humans, we can discuss what life is like and uh, life and death and theories that we have. So we can presume that other people are conscious, but we can't be 100% certain. But we definitely can't be 100% certain that cats and dogs and other animals share the same sort of conscious awareness for life that we do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, when we know that someone's coming home, it's probably because they've called us to say that they're coming home. We certainly haven't got such heightened senses that we can smell when someone's coming home or we can hear them over great distance coming home. But, you know, maybe cats and dogs can. They're, you know, they're animals at the end of the day and they need these regular senses um, to probably hear something that's coming at a distance. So maybe a lot of the displays of their certain behavior, uh, behavior does come across as what to us seems like psychic abilities, but to them it's probably very normal senses. 
Um, there, there were some cases where um, they did actually test animals with the Zener cards. So those are the symbol cards with the um, star, the cross, the circle, square, and wavy lines. Absolutely. And, yep. Uh, yep, and they'd um, place them face down, and maybe the owner would pick one, and they'd look at it, and they'd see if their dog or cat would reach out with their paw and you know put it on the right one and see if they can actually pick up on what their owner is actually trying to send to them telepathically. In some of these cases, it, it appeared, again, that the animals did actually know what, which one to pick. But again, they said, is this, is this psychic abilities, or are you somehow subtly cueing your animal without being aware of it? Not consciously, and you're not purposely doing this, but it seems that somehow the animal might be tapping into some sort of pattern and realizing when to put its paw down. And they said that happens in the cases where you see genuine stage tricks of this stuff, when you have a horse or a parrot or some other animal that can bark out simple multiplications that they put on a chalkboard. And it, it might be just they, there's a subtle hand movement to stop the dog barking after it's counted up so many, and it comes across as though the, the dog can count or it's psychic, when in fact it's just cueing the animals, and you don't realize you're doing it, or some of the people that have trained their animals do it clearly know they're doing it. It's quite a complex kind of task to go into, trying to decide whether an animal is or isn't psychic. But um, I haven't read all the way through this book yet, but certainly I'd love to actually start looking into some of the ones, from, uh, some of the cases, as you mentioned, with horses. That would be interesting. Right. And now, the other thing is, too, is is we assume that we have six senses or five senses or whatever. But we may have a sense that we don't even know about. And that may be some type of a, a uh, either a, a uh, well, it's, if we don't know what it is, I couldn't really describe it, but it may be some type of a connection that we all have to one another. You know, we might call it ESP or, or psychic, but it, it may be an actual physical sense. I mean, because our brain is so huge, and, you know, we may have something that's in there that's really connecting with people that we don't know about. And, it, we just don't have a name for it. We don't have a call for it. But we may be have this connection that all humans do, and, and some who have some type of uh, physical connection with may be stronger versus someone who we don't know. Hmm. Well, I, I always like the stories of um, twins, and you know they they come from the same biological pool. They're basically the you know um, if it's myozygotic twins and it's an egg that's split in half, it's is basically the same person that's then, you know, that's why you've got identical twins that come out of that. And I love hearing the stories that, you know, when one of them's on the other side of the world and they break their, their arm, maybe the other twin on the other side of the world feels the pain. Mm -hmm. And I even met someone uh, at one of the universities that I was at. I can't remember if I was giving a talk or something like that, but I met someone who was a twin, but it was twin brother and sister. And I think uh, she said her, uh, her twin brother is an airline pilot and when he was flying somewhere, he got a few um, chest pains or something like that, or maybe the other way around. She'd fallen over and hurt herself, and the other one felt the pain. And every time they said, oh, when did that happen? And they checked the times. It corresponds around the exact same time. So it seems that no matter where these twins are, they've got this constant psychic link, um, you know, maybe because the, the brainwaves or patterns are exactly aligned, or maybe because, um, you know, the psychic ability that we have in us that could be dormant, with twins, it could be a lot stronger because their, you know, their biology is almost, or it is, 100% the same. 
So you've got this kind of connection over distance, as you know, we might have now and then between person to person. You just have to be in the right psychological mind state or environment to suddenly have a telepathic experience with someone that you're not related to or see what they're doing at distance or predict what they're going to do later. It's, it's an incredible thing. And these are the things that I love the most. I mean, I know we've spoken a lot. Certainly some of the guests have mentioned that parapsychologists spend a lot of time in the lab. But it's these actual human experiences that happen in the real world setting that I find the most incredible. You know, I love he hearing these experiences of how it happens, when it happened. And the main thing being that everyone or almost everyone wasn't expecting this to happen. They weren't expecting the psychic experience. They weren't expecting to see a ghost. You know, and these stories are just incredible. Now, I know Spooky Palooza in the uh, chat room said that she had a experience with her dog that was telepathic in nature. And uh, she also said that dogs can read human faces, which I found interesting. Hi, guys. All right. Hey, looks like our guests are here. Hi, and, uh, Lucky and uh, Steve. We've arrived at last. <laughs> I guess Hello. there was a little, a little bit of a mix-up there. Yeah, we left. We left our broomsticks outside. <laughs> <laughs> so we are talking uh, with uh, Jackie. De uh, I can't say that word. Denison. That's correct. <laughs> hello. And hello. 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 Hi. Hello. We are talking with Jackie Kashnick and Steve Furlong. Thank you, Carl. <laughs> I'm sure Ron still can't pronounce the names. Well, we've been listening to the show with the great interest, you know, some of the uh, topics that you've talked about, um, you know, especially um, the remote haunting um, that you were talking about, you know, the uh, location, the haunted uh, location. Right. And, and doing... Yep. Um, a remote, um, do you mean like a remote rescue on that? Was that what you were looking to, to, to do? Or was it um, to uh, just to see what would be there, to see what your students would pick up? Uh, you, you know, it's interesting. You say remote rescue. Now, we're not familiar with that term in the States. What, what, do you, what is a remote rescue? Are we just a rescue? For instance, you're a rescue medium. What is a rescue medium? Um, well, um, we, we would go into haunted locations, which is what uh, we do, um, uh, to, to see who's haunting it and why they're haunting it. And then if the spirit is trapped there, we would help them over to the light. And that we, we call that a rescue. Um, and you were saying about uh, like a classroom situation. Right, where you right. view a haunted location. Uh, what what would be your purpose with with doing that? I'm sorry, I'm just nosy. <laughs> no, no, no. The purpose is first first of all. Looks like we have a little bit of echo. I think that's from your end. Do you have Do you have your speakers up or am I close to the speakers? Down a little bit. It's a bit loud, isn't it? Yeah. Is okay. Is that is that better? okay? Okay. Anyways, um, the purpose of it is, first of all, to see if it can be done. And the second of all is to conduct an investigation remotely, finding uh, if there are any spirits there and if we can get any evidence there are spirits. So that's the purpose of it. Oh, okay. 
Um, yeah, because we, we do a similar thing. Um, Steve and I do a similar thing remotely uh, here. Um, you know, if we can't get to a location because it's too far away or we just physically can't, we just physically can't get there. So what we do is um, we would try and uh, tune in remotely to see if we could help it in a situation like that. But um, we would tune in together at the same time, um, together with other people who would um, also remotely tune in just to, and, and that way we'd get validation if we were all picking up on the same thing. We would get yeah, but this, this, is a, this is a little bit different because I understand that, you know, remote uh, viewing or, or whatever connection by mediums, but this is not, this is going to be uh, people who are not mediums to start with. And, and second of all, we're going to see if our instruments will pick up on spirits and, for instance, EVPs and so forth. So it's, it's a little bit different. Oh, okay. Um, we we can't hear you too well. <laughs> it is a case of our age, I think, isn't it? Steve? Yeah, I think I think we're still getting a little bit of feedback off um, your speakers, guys. We're, we're getting double voices here. Oh, okay. Is that better now? Can you um, hear us now? Yeah, I think so. I can't hear my own voice after I speak. Yeah, I think I think we're getting better. Okay. That should be okay. We're, we're sharing um, sharing headphones now. Headphones. Oh, it's very right. close to you. Yeah, I think that's worked. <laughs> It's a good job of loving, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Ron, are you, are you familiar with the rescue mediums? No, I'm not. No. No, not okay. at all. Okay. Jackie, well, could you um, explain what the yeah, rescue mediums are? Sure. What What we do? You'll have to excuse me because I like to talk a lot. Um, <laughs> what What we do? Um, I, I'm part of a TV show um, that. Um, uh, it, in, well, it airs in Canada, but it airs in 28 countries around the world. The show is called Rescue Mediums. Um, and I do that with a lady called Alison Wynn Ryder, who's my co-host on the show. Um, but I, outside of Rescue Mediums, um, I do rescue work with Steve Furlong um, here in the UK and in Canada and also in Spain. We work in Spain as well. So, And a great uh, team of rescue mediums that we've got here in the UK, and and that's literally what we do. We go, we don't rescue mediums because mediums don't need rescuing, do they? No. So you say. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that, that is a good point. Um, but we we go into uh, haunted locations to see um, if the spirits there need to be rescued, if they need to be helped. So that's what a rescue medium does. Well, I, I can see right away that if, if a uh, a place is uh, creating a business from the paranormal, they certainly would, wouldn't want you guys in there. <laughs> <laughs> well, believe it or not, the the the, um, the majority of the properties that we go to see are domestic properties rather than uh, big commercial properties or big, big venues where you could uh, you could do a lot of uh, ghost hunting or paranormal investigations. Uh, um, you'd be surprised at the the, the number of, of small just domestic properties that uh, that are having problems with uh, with uh, lots of activity um, in their house, and obviously with the family it makes them uneasy, and especially with children involved, it, it can make them a bit nervous. It's bit funny you say that because I get a phone call just before I get on the show uh, for a similar situation here in the States. But anyways, we have to take a break right now. We'll be right back. So you are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Cal Cooper and Ron Kolick and our very special guests, um, 
Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> brother, brother, whatever. We'll be, we'll be back right after the following messages here on Bararex, Tojinet, Ghost Channel, and beyond. Sorry, guys, I'll get a straight when I get back. <laughs> Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. They're creepy and they're kooky, mysterious and spooky. They all talk ugly gooky, the Parax family. The shows are paranormal, not stuffy but informal. The topics are abnormal, the Parax family. They're strange. Unrestrained. So grab your favorite brew. It's time to rendezvous as we give the awards to the Bear X family. Take 6,427. All right. Hi, I'm Ron Kolek, author and lead investigator of the New England Ghost Project, New England's own Van Helsink. And I'm Ann Kerrigan, the blonde bombshell, and I'm the lead investigator of East Bridgewater's Most Haunted. And we'd like to invite you to tune in. Ghost Chronicles, the next generation. Every Wednesday night. At 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on www.toginet.com. So, so yeah, what are they going to hear on this stupid show? What are they going to hear? They are going to hear things that they can't believe are happening. Like uh, Beyond Bizarre. And Cemetery Tripping. Oh, that's your deal, right? Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days you're going to get uh, so scared of one of these cemetery tripping things that uh, you'll, I'll have to get a new co-host. <laughs> I am brave beyond belief. Nothing yeah, we'll see. scares me. Except so anyways, if you're bored and you got nothing to do on Wednesday night, tune in to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Dan and Ron. See you then. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Cal Cooper and Ron Kolick. And our very special guests are Feathers Medium Steve Furlong and TV show's rescue medium Jackie Tennyson. And thank you guys, and I really apologize, but I have a thing with names. I always botch them up, so I do apologize to that, guys. He hasn't put his teeth in properly. That's probably what it is. If I had to. That's what it is. I have that Anheuser disease. <laughs> so, guys, you, you talked about going to um, private residence to the rescue. Would you consider that to be a kind of a, a spiritual alternative to people that have people that come in to exercise the property? I mean, it, it, what what kind of procedures do you go through to actually do a rescue on a house? Well, we always prefer to call it a rescue rather than a clearance or an exorcism because we like to think that we're helping both sides, not just the people that are, that are suffering from the haunting, but also the spirits that, that may be trapped or need help on the other side. So we, we always like to, to call it a rescue where we're trying to rescue both sides rather than, than just help one. We actually have a question from the chat room, and they they, they I guess they're... They're really cautious about, they think that, can we really make spirits do what we want them to do, or, or are they just, you know, do they have free will? Uh, no, we can't make them do what they, what we want them to do. They do have free will, yeah, of course. 
Um, the, the thing, uh, and we, we come across uh, very, very stubborn spirits um, on many occasions who simply just don't want to, to move on. Um, and our job is to just to sit and talk to them like we would talk to either of you two. You know, if there was something you didn't want to do, we'd say, well, why don't you want to do it? We'd find out why um, you don't want to do it. And then, you know, if you give us a reason why that is plausible, then we'd say, okay, well, we'll go away and we'll come back and then we'll talk about it again. And and that's that's what we do. That's what we do with spirit. Just because they're in spirit, we don't treat them any differently than if they were on the earth plane. You know, they obviously feel they have a good reason why they don't want to do something. So we, we can't force them to do it. It's a good question, though. Yeah, I mean, for instance, uh, spirits are basically, uh, you know, body handicapped people, basically. They just don't have their bodies anymore. So do you run into spirits that are, are kind of nasty at times? And, and how do you handle those? Do you handle those differently than, for instance, that of a little child spirit or a, or a, a woman spirit that's, that's uh, lost uh, someone close to them? Yeah, yeah. Um... Oh yeah, we we Steve and I actually have dealt with a very very nasty uh, spirit, um, one that was very very physical. Um, he, he actually hit somebody. He tried to strangle you, didn't he? Yeah, he tried, the, unless we'd seen it with our eyes, we we realised that it's uh, it's a bit fantastical. But um, but we, we witnessed it with our own eyes that that um, you could wow. physically see the punch coming and hitting the the guy square on the nose. And uh, his nose uh, more or less uh, exploded. It was blood pouring from his nose, and he shot back about about three or four feet, um, at, you know, falling backwards, and ended up leaning against uh, the wall. Um, and this was a, um, a chaplain, a, a wandering um, um, holy man. That, that in was, spirit. Uh, in, in spirit, spirit yeah, yeah. That was um, not happy with the the, the uh, young guy's uh, relationship with his girlfriend. Because they weren't married, so. Oh, I see. I see. So, I mean, how did you handle that? I mean, how do you handle that? Sorry. How did you handle that? Well, uh, a lot of it was, was as as we say, it's not about trying to force them to do anything. It's about trying to find out where the problem is and and what they've got a problem with and why they're doing what they're doing. Uh, and it, it it turned out that this chap had uh, had done some things on on this side of life that he wasn't proud of. And that he was worried because of his religious upbringing that he was going to burn in the fires of hell for all eternity, um, and and when we tried to explain to him that that's that's not not how uh, we see it or or that we we've had it explained to us by our spirit guides from the other side that uh, somebody came for him uh, and uh, helped him to to cross over that he could trust. I think it was his mother, wasn't his it? His mum came through, yeah, yeah. 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 It can get quite uh, scary, though, can't it? That that was a scary. It was. One. It was probably the most frightening one that we that we've ever done. Yeah. Wow. So the, there were actual physical markings on this guy. You say his nose was bleeding, but you know, was it bruised? Um, yeah. You know, what what was so amazing about it that we weren't the only people present. The some, the family members were present too, and we we all we felt like a, a rush of. Air. That's the only way we can explain it. And at the same time that happened, I mean, Steve and I are both mediums, so we could see we could see the spirit form of, of this man um, in spirit. And he literally threw himself at this young man and punched him. 
on his nose. And and as he punched him, you, his nose literally just exploded and there was blood everywhere. It, it was a very, very physical, nasty the only thing, uh, one. The only thing that I've ever um, found even close to describing it is that if anybody's ever experienced an air cannon where you can fire air at, at, at fast speeds and you can feel it hitting you, that it was oh, wow. like that, but, but really concentrated at, 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 with, with massive amounts of power. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've had uh, physical things happen to me before, so I understand it a little bit. Uh, I didn't see them physically, uh, like you, you saw it through your uh, mind's eye, uh, but... Uh, I, you know, I had bruising definitely before, and I've seen uh, cuts and scratches before. But uh, that force is a lot of force. Uh, it must have been uh, really frightening for the person, at, at the very least. Yeah, the the, the well, obviously he was just under eighteen, and um, he'd, been, he'd experienced a few um, uh, run-ins with this this um, uh, vicar, priest, whatever you want to call him, pastor. Um, and he'd um, he pulled him off the bed and he'd scratched his neck before. And, um, of course, we, we go with an open mind when we go in and try and find practical explanations for for the, the things that happen. And we think that's always very important, that we look for practical explanations before we look for the paranormal explanations. So Excellent. if we can eliminate something practically, then, then it, it makes more sense. Um, um, and we think that by doing that, we don't devalue... The, the real stuff that we can't explain. We think that, that if it's if we accept too much as the paranormal, it really devalues the stuff that really is paranormal. Mm-hmm. So, I, so we, I actually have a question because you said this this man was a holy man. Now I, I noticed in in the UK there seems to be a lot more uh, spirits of priests, monks, friars, and so forth. Do you think this goes back to? Uh, the, the great, uh, you know, Protestant Catholic uh, uh, conflicts that the UK has had through history, is, is that which, do you believe that's possible or? I, I personally think that it was this man's personal um, belief that when he was alive and he was a pastor, mm-hmm. he, he did some things morally that um, when he died, he felt that he was going to burn in the fires of the hell for what he'd done on a personal level, not on a religious uh, level. So um, I, I, I don't know whether I would say that, I mean, we uh, on a religious level, it does go back, doesn't it, with... Um, I think we've come across a few, um, quite a few. religious people, but, yeah. uh, but, but not necessarily to, really to do with the religion. Sometimes it's yeah. something completely different, the reason why they're not... not not always a religious connection. But we certainly do get a lot of old locations over here that do have, you know, a famous haunting of a, a monk like Neustad Abbey has the Black Friar, and a That's lot of true. these old locations do actually contain priest holes as well, which, you know, there's the yes. old one or two priest holes which people say is haunted. And certainly uh, at Castle as well, there's a few high holes for priests and monks to go in. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I think some of the monks and uh, other religious representatives have been integrated into the history of hauntings in the UK, which is why we probably get them certainly more than USA today. Yeah, but you know, on the other hand, we do have um, a lot of religious helpers 
uh, in spirit who who when they were on the earth plane they were monks or priests or um, you know various religious denominations when they were on the earth plane when they lived on the earth plane and when they've gone to the spirit world they carried on their not the religious uh, way but their spirituality and um, and have gone on to become guides uh, for, for people on the earth plane so it can have two have two benefits there can't it really yeah, it's, uh, it, I think a, a spiritual evolution so that they, they find the, the path and they find out that they can continue that path on the other side, but not, as, as Jackie says, not really from a religious point of view, but from a spiritual, you know, um, uh, sort of helping point of view, really, to, to help others um, to develop their situation as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and now both uh, Steve and uh, Jackie, you guys have uh, the Feathers Academy as well. And uh, a couple, first of all, I'd like to learn a little bit more about the Feathers Academy. And also, how did you pick the name? Well, you know, spirit leave feathers, don't they? Um, uh, To let you know that they've been around you. I mean, people say that they are angel wings. They are um, messages that are left by by spirit. I've certainly found that... uh, Feathers are left for me, certainly. Um, and so what better name to, to call something connected to a spiritual um, a spiritual retreat or a spiritual business? Um, feathers, it simply says everything. And okay. so, yeah, so, so that's why we call it Feathers, because it lets us know that spirits are around, because they, they leave us feathers. And and uh, this is an actual place where people can go, and I believe you have classes and so forth out of there as well. It's a it's a, a centre where we have uh, holistic therapies. We also have lots of uh, different classes and workshops where people can learn to hone their psychic skills and uh, learn to read cards, or, or we have a crystal ball a workshop coming up shortly, and um, learn how to use pendulums and doubt and or scry. Um, lots of different workshops, but mainly it's a place where people can go and uh, and be comfortable with their, with, with their spirituality and also perhaps sometimes come and ask some questions that they can't find the answers to elsewhere. And we don't purport to know all the answers, but we do try our best to try and find the answers if we don't know them. And Jackie, Steve, how did you guys meet? And uh, evidently, this is uh, a joint proprietorship, I believe, uh, the Fellows Academy. It is. I taught him everything he knows. Well, <laughs> Jackie's obviously much older than me, you so she's the mentor. No, <laughs> <laughs> so I've been um, uh, um, connecting to spirit for quite a long time, but I, I was a bit um, directionless. And um, I was looking to, to join a development circle or a closed circle to, to try and uh, get some direction to, to where I was going with my spirituality. And um, I happened to, to accidentally come across a, an advert for this little place that was opening in, um, in Northwich and phoned and said, you couldn't point me in the direction of a development circle, could you? And the lady that answered the phone said to me, it's funny you should say that because we're starting one this Thursday. So uh, I said, oh, can I come? And, and I've been here ever since. And that was seven <laughs> years ago. Couldn't get rid of them, Eight years ago. Couldn't get rid of them. No, no. I'm still I'm like trying. I'm, I'm still trying to get rid of him, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, but it is, it's a fabulous place, and I think I found a, a spiritual home because um, instead of being one of the weirdos from the outside in, it was, it was, uh, I was in the circle. Yeah, just joined the other weirdos. So joined the weirdos now, yeah. <laughs> But we we just we we don't um, we don't don't um, decry anything. We don't we don't have um, any set religious um, affiliation here. You know, everybody's welcome to have their own religious and, and spiritual beliefs. And it, it's a, it's a really lovely place where where everybody fits in, and and uh, and it make we try and make everybody feel welcome. Yeah, and we we do clairvoyant readings here, and we there are lots of holistic therapies. There's Hopier candles and Reiki and. Hot stone massage, isn't there? And kinesiology. kinesiology. I'm a hypnotherapist we have now as well. So yeah. We also have uh, counsellors that, that, that uh, we just, uh, two ladies that um, have just started with us actually do pet counselling. They're talking about pets early on. And, um, uh, and we, they do counselling for people that have, uh, have lost pets and they find that it's quite a, um, an up and coming field at the moment for people to, to deal with the grief of, of losing a pet that they've had for a long time, which there wasn't a specialist field for, and, uh, and now they seem to, uh, there seems to be lots of people that need it. Mm-hmm. So that they've just I've started. Ne- I've never heard of grief counselling for pets before. I've, I've certainly heard of psychics that claim that they can, uh, their main skill is to contact animal spirits. <laughs> which oh, is right. certainly always, Yeah, that's certainly always been interesting ability, when, especially when they go into trance and they take on the animal form as well. Well, I've not seen that. <laughs> but, but you know, um, I can't ridicule it because I, I, cause it's not happened to me. I don't know. But I know that sometimes um, within a reading, I know this has happened to Steve and, and many other mediums as well, that if a, lo- if a loved pet uh, will, will come forward, I mean, obviously it doesn't come forward and say, hello, my name is Sooty and I want mm. to talk to my owner about, you know, that last bowl of whatever I had before I died. <laughs> Um, but they will come forward and and you can feel that the, the love that they generate because their uh, a pet's love is unconditional and you can feel that and and you can tell by you know how they're wagging the tail or how they're jumping around and they will do things that they would have done when they were on the earth plane so i connect that way i know steve does too but we've got um, a lady called ann jones who works at feathers and she's a fabulous animal communicator, and she does Reiki. She does Reiki on, particularly on horses. She specialises with horses and dogs. Yeah, yeah and birds too. Yeah. And uh, she links. She links to the animal, and then the animal sort of will let her know, not through talk, but through feelings, um, as to what the problem is. So it's it's quite a skill. The interesting thing about the 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 Reiki on on animals is. Uh, that I'm totally convinced now because you can you can see the whole um, the body language of the animal and the, the, when you can see uh, the tenseness in the muscles, it just they just totally relax and that you just see them as, as if all the, the the tension goes out of the body and they just become totally relaxed and start to receive the the healing energy and it's it's an incredible thing to see from an animal that's really stressed and uptight. All of a sudden, it just totally relaxes. And a lot, and I've seen Anne treat a few dogs, and you, you you just see them; they just curl up and go to sleep as they receive the healing. Yeah, this this goes back a bit to what we were discussing just before you guys came on, and also that 
you know, maybe, maybe cats and dogs do experience conscious existence the way that we do. I mean, I, mm. I've studied a lot of different religious um, scriptures and also um, their theories about life after death, um, especially with Isla Islamic theories and Christianity and stuff. And uh, I always found it interesting that certain scriptures do say that, you know, animals won't go on into an afterlife. It's only um, creatures that are in God's form, so, you know, the human form. And, you know, that, that kind of goes against what people have experienced. Um, you know, loads of people have seen ghosts of their own dog or the famous dog that haunts, you know, such and such right. place or seen their cat out of the corner of the eye. So, you know, the eyewitness testimony is suggesting the opposite to the religious scriptures. And it certainly suggests that maybe animals do have a form of consciousness that certainly has this, you know, there's a suggestion there that it, maybe it does survive after death. So maybe I, I believe, okay, guys, I do, you, do you mind if we take a phone call? We have a phone call for you guys. Sure. Yeah, fire away. Okay. Hello, Spooky Pooh, are you there? <laughs> hey, Ron. Yeah, I am. How are you guys? Good. You have a question for our guest? Well, it's just kind of interesting um, because I I didn't have a title for what I was doing, but the remote healing thing was was interesting that these folks were doing. But the the odd thing was that while listening to you guys, my spidey <laughs> my spidey senses, if you will, started tingling. <laughs> And I thought, well, I ought to call in because I, because I did have an experience with my dog um, who just died a week ago. So it's another coincidence that you guys are even talking about this. It's a little trippy. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we, we saw something really unusual right in my backyard, broad daylight. And um, I heard telepathically, uh, stop. I'm, you know, like, don't come any closer, stop, I'm dangerous. And it, it was this person that they were, I, I feel like a lunatic saying this stuff sometimes, but this person had to have been over 12 feet tall. And I didn't realize it at the time. To me, it was just someone walking up through the woods. It wasn't until I realized I'm seeing this person beyond maple trees that are eight feet tall. It's like, how could I possibly be seeing what I'm seeing? And so at any rate, so my dog, you know, sends someone coming through the woods. And she starts running down and barking and usually would go right to them. But at the moment that I heard, stop, I'm dangerous, mm. I heard that telepathically. I didn't hear it with my ears. And my dog actually stopped, which was very unusual behavior for her, tilted her head. You know how dogs, like, look at you like, what? <laughs> you know, they tilt their heads each way. Mm -hmm. And then she came running back to me. And then I yelled out, hello, because at that point I didn't realize how tall the person was. And I yelled out, you know, hello, and, and he didn't answer. He just kind of kept looking straight forward. But I could tell he was looking at me through his peripheral vision. And um, he, he just kept walking. And I uh, yelled out, hello, again. And I'm thinking, geez, this guy's rude. Uh, but there was a couple of things that were going off in my head. It was one thing, there wasn't a sound, not a, not a bird, nothing. There was no natural normal outside sounds at the moment that this guy was here and then he went running off and he did he was making a racket i thought it was a moose coming up through the woods and so did my dog and then he was dead silent as he as he ran off away from us and i thought you know that that was just that's actually the thing that got me uh introduced to all of you folks here in the u.s and in england um, was that experience was the one that knocked me off my socks, and I thought, okay, that's it, I'm losing it, I'm losing it. I got to find out what's going on. So, um, so it's just kind of, but that was to me evidence that dogs not only are sensitive to sound frequencies that that we can't hear, but also are telepathic. Um, that was the one where I went, ooh, that was interesting because 
she reacted the way she did. And that was so unusual. Normally, she'd just run to somebody and, ooh, hello, hello, <laughs> you know. But she well, stopped from in our, track. From our experience with going into properties to, to do rescues, we are aware um, constantly of the fact that the, the family pets tend to be one of the first reactions to, to spirit activity. They tend to, to start uh, looking looking for things that, you know, staring into spaces where there is nothing, but they're staring intently um, to a certain area where where there is physically nothing, and uh, and reacting to, uh, to to different movements and and uh, changes in energy, and I think animals are much more um, in tune with the, with the changes in energy sometimes than people can be, uh, so that they're they're sometimes one of the first indicators that that there's a, there's an increase in activity in the in the property. Yeah, and certainly with. Um you know, you, you said that you were in uh, the woods with the uh, with the dog. Yeah, I live in New Hampshire, which is the northeast part of the U.S. So, um, oh, gorgeous! Yeah, I, I live in the woods, <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, there's a lot of um, earth energy there anyway because you're outside in the open. So, um, you might find that the person that you saw is a gathering of energy, which I know sounds a bit ridiculous, but we've seen all sorts of ridiculous things. So, I, I never just dismiss anything firsthand um, and and the energy itself can build and can change shape to become something that looks very big and the fact that you heard that message with that and then the dog heard that um, as well that's quite incredible really and they do they dogs do know and cats they know and i'm yeah. convinced that they, they they do go to the afterlife i've certainly uh, made contact with with many different animals and you know the funny thing is as well this is how ridiculous it, it gets sometimes when you're doing readings but um i had a, a lady uh, once that came in for a reading and all of a sudden i had this little hamster going around and round in a hamster ball on the table and it was you know i thought i can't tell her that they'll have me locked up if i say that i've got this hamster running around the, the room in this little ball but when i told her she burst into tears and she's still like oh, she said we literally just buried the hamster yesterday and we didn't know what to do with the hamster ball that it went in. She said, and it, you know, it's just brought me so much comfort. You saying that that the hamster is still running around in its little ball. So, so I'm glad I told her. <laughs> yeah, it was odd for me to, you know, I'm I'm listening to the radio show, which I do as often as I can here, and it was very odd for my, for lack of a better word, I call it my spidey senses. But for me, my hands are tingling and my arms are tingling, and I thought I better call in. It seems like this some, something's up. So here I am. Well, <laughs> and, and we're we my, my dog, my telepathic dog, just died a week ago. So oh uh, no. Yeah. So um, I don't know. So I just thought, oh, I I don't know what I'm thinking. I's just calling. How you guys doing? I'm just calling. <laughs> What's your question? You know, you know, your your telepathic dog is probably still trying to connect to you telepathically, and that's why you uh, needed to call in. Yeah, could be, could be. Uh, <laughs> well, but thank we you thank, kindly. Th yep, thank you so much, uh, Spooky Walusa, and thanks for listening. Oh, oh I'm you. happy, Ron. Good to talk to you again. <laughs> All right, thank you. Bye bye. 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 Interesting, no. isn't it? Yeah. Well, can you believe oh, that? Doorbell. Was that the doorbell? 
Did you? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that means the pizza's here and it's time to wrap it up. Unbelievable. <laughs> I thought he was Avon calling. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, we get that once in a while. We want to thank you guys so much. Uh, once again, this is... Uh, you guys have been awesome, and uh, I do appreciate you. Uh, sorry about the uh, beginning about us getting mixed up, but uh, we, uh, I'll you know. You. I've got a big heart. Yeah. <laughs> so we've been talking with, with Jackie Jackie Dennison and St Steve uh, Furlong of um, Rescue Mediums and um, uh, Feather Mediums, and their Feather Academy is, uh, you, you guys, uh, what's the best way to reach you? Oh, uh, Feathersmediums.co.uk Yeah, can, can we just literally quickly as, as well say that um, we have Feathers retreats that people are very welcome to join us on and they can learn all sorts of wonderful things on these retreats in England, Spain and in Canada. Oh, wow. In Canada as well, the website, huh? Have a look there. Excellent. Yeah, next time you uh, come into Canada... Thank you for having us on the show. Oh, thank you. I guess I'm sorry about the mix-up. I wish we had you on earlier because there was a lot of other questions I wanted to ask, and we kind of... Well, you'll have to ask fun. us back again. Well, That's your problem. There you go. Happy to come yes. back. <laughs> there you go. Uh, any, anything uh, coming up you want to quickly tell us about? Um, we have um, a crystal ball workshop. Yes, and we've got a retreat coming up in Canada in, um, in May. And oh, May, that's not far. Coming up in... Um, in October, that's just just been booked now for uh, for Spain. So th those are the, the two exciting things that are coming up at the moment. And we do have other things, but we are not allowed to speak about them just yet. No. Ooh, I so love that. I love a mystery. <laughs> you'll, have, you'll have to come back and tell us about them then. Well, time to wrap it up, guys. We want to thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, Carl. Yeah. Cheers, Good night. Guys. God bless everyone. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.